All right, welcome back. Another great episode here. I'm Dan Lukowitz, your host. This is Dan on top. Thank you so much for watching. Today we have with us Nicole Campbell, Office Leasing and Sales Senior Associate at Devaris Real Estate Incorporated. Nicole, how you doing? I'm amazing. Thank you. I hope you are too. I hope the weather is great in Michigan. Ooh, it's sunny, it's hot, <laughs> it's great all as well. Thanks again so much for being yeah. here. Really appreciate it. Awesome. So look, we got a lot of value to jam pack in this episode and talk a lot about what you do and what's going on in the world of commercial real estate. But before we get into that, I want to know who you are. So tell our viewers, who is Nicole Campbell? Oh gosh, uh, that's a great question because I ask that of myself all the time. I, I have so <laughs> many different experiences and background. Um, so right now who I am, a soccer mom, and a commercial real estate agent, but it's it took me a long time to get here. I was in residential real estate for a long time. I was an army spouse. I was an army wow. um, was in the army, so um, I've kind of been all over the place. Awesome, awesome. So look, most of my experience, frankly, as a broker in commercial real estate is as an investment sales broker. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with a deal right now. You and I spoke about it a couple of days ago. Has a leasing component to it, and I reached out to you. Um, so I want you to kind of step forward and explain. Just let, let's start from a more uh, macro perspective. Explain what a leasing broker does. So what a leasing broker does on the landlord rep side of things is we look for tenants to fill vacant spaces. Ultimately, that's the bottom line. We wanna find quality, qualified tenants that are make a good tenant mix within a building and that's gonna increase an owner's cash flow and that you know that they're gonna be realizing that cash flow over five, seven, 10 years. So that's the ultimate goal. And then on the other side of things, tenant rep, leasing same thing now i'm looking for space mm -hmm. that meets the requirement for those tenants and that business owner excellent excellent so how has your experience as a, a tenant rep helped you to better represent office landlords so it just gives me a side of things a viewpoint from looking at a business owner's perspective that i can now use that and help negotiate better terms with a landlord rep and or with a landlord themselves. And so knowing both sides of things and how a landlord thinks and how a tenant mm -hmm. thinks just makes it to where we can find common ground. You know, it needs to be a win-win for both sure. parties and having been on both sides just makes it a lot easier to get those folks right to where they need to be. Absolutely. It makes you able to kind of see the deal from everyone's perspective so that you can really orchestrate that win-win uh, experience. I love it. That's great. Yeah, so absolutely. look, you can't say the word office today without diving into it, okay? There's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of fear going on. So let's go straight to the expert. Tell me what's going on in the office market today. So I will say we are sort of a secondary tertiary market. So we're not the big New York City, Chicago. And so we have a little bit different things going on here. But ultimately, it's that tenants think they're going to get these great deals because they feel like office owners are like bleeding tenants mm -hmm. out of their buildings and that's just not happening so either a people the businesses that are in place they're renewing and so spaces aren't available and then there's um the the owners just want to keep their cash so they're not just you know like oh let me throw cash at this deal let me reduce my rents um, that's not happening. And so I think there's this misconception right now with business owners thinking that they're going to get some kind of great deal going on. And it's just landlords aren't that desperate right now for office tenants. Sure. 
So, you know, I'm often talking to clients who have multi-tenant strip centers with vacancy. I'm curious from your perspective, what are some mistakes that landlords make when it comes to vacant space that's for lease? Well, on the office side of things, we it's a little bit different than retail. Like you guys can take it back to a box, right? And strip it out and then the tenant comes in and does the work. Um, but in office, what landlords seem to forget a lot of times is that they need to get rid of that old stuff. If you had a tenant in a space for 10 or 15 years and they're gone, and you have some original carpet or original finishes, and you think that somebody else is gonna come along and have a vision to just change it, they're not. You gotta take all that stuff out. So they don't look at the big picture of saying, well, let me just demo this, mm-hmm. um, because you know they, th- they see the money that they're gonna have to spend on demo, and they don't quite understand that by doing that and making it a clean slate like retail does, it makes it a lot easier for people to come in and throw up some walls and, and just have a vision of what they need in their space. Sure. It doesn't help when carpet is 15 years old and it smells. Like, <laughs> get that out of there. <laughs> yeah, no question about that. Yeah. What are some other things that landlords can do to make their office building more appealing to some of those prospective tenants? So it really starts with the, the initial perception is, as you pull up to the building, how does it look? Um, how does your parking lot look? And I'm sorry to say, if you've been putting off these capital expenses of getting your parking lot redone, that shows. And from mm-hmm. the moment people step foot onto your property, they're looking around at what is the deferred maintenance that I see outside, because then I can assume that that's going to be inside. So having a good first impression, nice parking lot, good landscaping, no obvious deferred maintenance on the eaves and the roof and all that good stuff. Um, and then walking on into the inside, looking at your lobby, um, what kind of furniture is in there? Is it old and outdated? Like easy stuff like that just to replace the furniture or take it out if it looks like crap and you don't have the money to replace it. Um, make sure stuff is clean. Make sure your janitorial service is doing what they need to do and that the place is presentable, that it smells good, um, that it looks good. And so all that first impression stuff is to me an easy way of getting somebody to to stop looking for defects. And they'll be looking for reasons not to lease if they see you know little things here and there that are jacked up. Yeah, it's amazing, even amongst professionals, how important first impressions are. They really set the tone psychologically, and I think that's some great advice that you gave. Mm-hmm. So look, you know, I'm right now we've had so much change. I mean, I feel like it's been nothing but pivoting and change and, and, and just almost as if every day in the last 14 or 16 months has brought something new, which brings a lot of opportunity as well. Um, you know, when I look at things from a retail perspective, I, I think about repurposing. I think what happens if a space goes vacant? What can I do with it? Now, I want to hear from you because from my perspective, the actual experience, not from the tenant, but from the the user that goes into the space of an office building is quite unique, right? When I think about office buildings, I think about you know going to visit my accountant. I go and I park in the back, right? I go through a lobby. Maybe there's a receptionist. Maybe there isn't. I look at the board of direct, the directory. I walk through a corridor. I go down a hall. Maybe I take an elevator. And then I end up walking into an office, right? So if that space needs to be repurposed to something else, what would you say are some options that people might have in the future if we do see a, a large problem with office vacancy? Well, if there's not amenities already in the building um, and you're trying to just retain some folks, 
do a common conference room, a shared conference room, a big space, a, a big meeting space where now they don't have to have that within their own space where they're paying rent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness facility, barbershop is another thing that I've been hearing about that or is of interest to some folks. It's just anything that you can do within the building that is going to keep people there so that mm-hmm. they don't have to drive off the property to get to food or get to a haircut or a dry cleaner or or just you know anything creative that um, it's not going to necessarily look like a typical office tenant paying rent, but it may be then people within the building have a pro rata share to you know accommodate paying for that space. Um, so hopefully it's going to be you know maybe ten uh, percent of the building that's going to be vacant that you're having to worry about a space like that, and then having those amenities now in the building will then bring folks back. So I, I hear you saying incorporate certain aspects of maybe some lifestyle centers so that we can mm-hmm. provide other services or keep people on site and in the building and increase traffic there. Interesting. Very yeah, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So when you have that vacant space and you're representing that landlord, I'm curious how you go about finding your tenants. A couple of different ways. Of course, cold calling is always the fan favorite, right? You know, just getting on the phone and calling businesses and finding out where they are in their process if they are looking at, you know, potentially expanding or downsizing um, and if our building would be a good fit for them. Um, the other thing is just working out with uh, co brokers and making sure that other brokers in the market know what we have available. And so, Broker functions are a big deal, and amazingly enough, we've been doing quite a bit of those. Everybody's ready to be back out, you know, mingling, hearing yeah. what people have available, and so making sure that people who are bringing tenants, they know exactly what your space is about, and they can help you sell it, basically. So um, those are, I mean, cold calling and just being in front of brokers and with your availability is the two largest ways. I mean, it's it's easy to say, oh, throw a sign up there, put your stuff on LoopNet, but um, there's a little bit of legwork that goes into it too. Sure, sure. Now, are there any myths that tenants have about leasing office space? Yeah, and so I think I mentioned a little bit earlier too about, especially right now, is that thinking that they're gonna get some kind of great deal. Um, mm-hmm in these times, um, that's not really happening. I think also we see a little bit different than retail that they think that the landlord's going to pay for everything when it comes to build out and tenant improvements. And I mean, there's, there's gotta be, uh, you know, some skin in the game with the tenant. And so I think they have to understand that. And, and a lot of times they, they don't realize, Oh, I have to provide financials. I have to have my own cash sometimes to put into the deal. Um, and so I, I think there's this, this myth thinking that they can hold everything back and put all the risk on the landlord and take none of it themselves. So um, that's the biggest thing is just knowing that they're going to have to be involved monetarily beyond the monthly rental rate. So I assume that's part of your job is to, to provide that gentle education, letting them know that it's not exactly the case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's a constant reminder because they have short term memories, I feel <laughs> like that uh, we said this in the beginning, let's remind you again. And um, providing financials is not a big deal. Everybody wants to see those if they're going to, yep. you know, take a chance on somebody. Just, just get ready for it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, listen. From my perspective, we're in an industry that 
has in on one hand some very old business principles and on another hand has some very interesting new technologies which i believe makes it ripe for change and opportunity i'm curious from your perspective what things would you change in the commercial real estate industry well you mentioned two things exactly right off the bat technology is something that we've been slow to adopt. I feel like um, if we can get onto the DocuSign, you know, that'll make <laughs> things a lot quicker. Just um, any kind of technology at all. And so of course the big firms, they're already, you know, hoarding data and, and so that's part of it. And data is a big, big thing. But um, beyond that and beyond the numbers is the people. And it is a legacy career, a legacy type of position. And a lot of times it's, you know, my parents were in this, uh, field and so this is how I know about it. Maybe they were developers or they were in, just in commercial real estate themselves. So I think we need to do a better job of finding uh, diversity in this industry. And so um, there's some folks who I've been super in tune to uh, what they're doing and in increasing diversity in commercial real estate. So Tracy Prigmore, she's actually a hotel investor mm -hmm. and she's helping other minorities um, and people of color get into uh, investing in hotels and she started um, a program called she has a deal to try to get those investors involved and then uh, Lanier Richardson I hope I'm saying his name right he's out of Chicago and he is working on um, getting local folks to help buy into local shopping centers and local strip centers so he's trying to keep money you know where you can get in to an investment at with a thousand dollars and so that you are investing into your community and buying into commercial real estate um, and then there's another group, um, T. Dallas Smith and Company is a huge, actually the largest African-American owned and operated tenant rep only commercial real estate firm in the United States. And so having stuff like that happening and, um, you know, folks who are heavy into what commercial real estate is all about, I think is going to go a long way with increasing diversity in our field. Yeah, no question. I love it. I think diversity is very important. I think including more women in the field uh, is is an incredible opportunity because we are just in general a, an industry that's dominated by like the you know the old man, right? The fifty-year-old yeah. uh, broker. And I love I love to see more men, young men, and young women in the industry, and people, um, you know, minorities, and just people who are looking to to work together and do great things. So listen, you've had a great career, won some awards. 2020 Cova Biz uh, Bob Award winner voted the best commercial real estate agent. So obviously you've learned a lot and you've you've become quite successful. So I'm curious if you could provide our viewers with your top three pieces of advice that you've learned throughout your career. Uh, number one, listen and make sure that you're paying attention to what your client or customer wants and needs, and not what you need or what you think they need based on your whatever preconceived notions you have is just really, really listening to what they're saying, their body language when they're with you, just all of that paying attention. Um, I think the other thing would be just try some different things. Um, they always say, you know, think outside the box, but it's true. Just trying to come up with new and innovative ways to serve your clients um, and, and looking outside of your industry for those best practices, looking to not even just like, um, construction that deals with commercial estate, but what about what are other industries doing outside of your field that you could potentially learn from? And then I think number th three would be always back to the relationships and maintaining your relationships, um, really caring about people. And I think when you 
care about people and they see that, then they just want to work with you and they want to tell all their friends about you. And so that's a huge part of it. No question. I love it. So listen, pay attention to people's needs, which is very important, right? I think that uh, what we all know is that, that he or she who asks the questions controls the conversation. And by listening, you really get to understand people's pain points. And through that, you can understand how to solve them. Trying different things, looking outside the box, looking into other industries for solutions, and, and maybe some of their common wisdom and then relationships, uh, maintaining them and caring. I love that. I, you know, I personally believe that add value and everything else follows. I think that's very similar to caring. If you care and are not worried about, you know, the, the actual, you know, bottom line results of your paycheck or your, or your pocketbook, just like if you focus on providing value, everything else follows from there. So I think that those are incredible pieces of wisdom. Thank you very much for sharing them. So look, we've got about a minute, minute and a half left. I'm going to turn the tables and I'd love to know if you have any questions for me. Oh gosh, I, I do have a question. All right, so is that a Michigan accent or are you from someplace else originally? <laughs> it's definitely a Midwest Michigan accent. <laughs> okay, okay. Because, um, yeah, I just thought maybe, and you're so, your energy, I guess, too. Um, I thought maybe you were from New York or something originally and, and brought that New York energy to Michigan. Oh, no, no. Definitely have the energy, but no New York in. <laughs> Uh, and then one, I'll ask you one more question. Um, so how did you get started in commercial estate in this field? Yeah, good question. So I've been in the industry, in the real estate industry for about 15 years. I've done quite a few, you know, wide variety of things. I originally got involved uh, when I started a business called Disability Made Easy with some close friends of mine. It was a barrier-free home modification company, and we would modify homes to make them handicap accessible for people with terminal illness or, or, or injury. And I, I remember, I'll never forget this, I went out to a site. I did all the sales and marketing, but I went out to a site with uh, our project manager, and we got there, and this house was functionally obsolete, and it just wasn't laid out correctly, and it presented all kinds of problems. He got out his graph paper, his pen, and he started sketching, and in about 45 seconds, he took something that no longer worked and made it into something that was functional and beautiful. And that really stuck with me. And what I did after that was I recognized this idea of taking something that was distressed and functionally obsolete and making it into something beautiful. And that really got me on my way to a career in, in house flipping. And uh, after doing that over and over and over and over again, um, I was turned on to a commercial real estate brokerage. I ended up coming out of residential completely. I tell people that residential is, is you know, house flipping that is, is really a gateway drug. So I consider yeah. myself a recovering house flipper and I've kind of transitioned and, and seen the light in the commercial real estate world. And at that point I got into a commercial real estate brokerage, specifically net lease, 100% of my time. So that's really my story in a nutshell. Wow, that's great, great to hear, I love it. Awesome, hey, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us, for providing value and giving us your time. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It was wonderful. Love it. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm Dan Lukowitz. This has been another great episode of Dan on Top. We look forward to seeing you soon.